Well, tonight we're going to be starting a class for new Christians. And a lot of you are saying, well, I've been a Christian for a long, long time. That's very true. Great many of you may have been. I have been myself for, well, a while. Depends who you, who you, would, who you would say to, who you would talk to about that. But there's certainly nothing wrong in going over the basics of the faith to re-establish our knowledge of the truth, of why the Church of Christ is different. Because that's a question a lot of new converts ask. Why is this church different? And can you prove it by the Word of God? And that's a question I love to hear. Please show me in God's Word so that you do not just take the word of, of anybody for saying whatever they're saying. You see, if it's not found in God's Word, then it's not binding on us, is it? So new Christians often ask, why is the Church of Christ different? Why isn't it a denomination? Why do you say it's not a denomination or why it's not a non-denomination? Well, what is different about the Church of Christ? If we're not a denomination and we're not a non-denomination, what are we? Well, first of all, let me ask you, what is a denomination? It's a splinter group that was founded by men. It has an organization and they gather together within that particular group and people have a loyalty towards it. And what's a non-denomination? Well, it's a group of like-minded, so-called like-minded people. They're going to be like-minded once they start listening to what their preacher is saying, well, most of the time. And a non-denomination just attracts people from anywhere. And they take people from anywhere and they say, it's okay, you just fit in. So what is different about the Church of Christ in that way? Well, we are what's called pre-denominational. We're before denominations came into existence. And at the very front of my God, I, al I always put this on it. I never want to forget this. The definition of pre-denomination. A pre-denominational Christian is a Christian or disciple of Christ who seeks to, have to base all of his religious beliefs and practices upon the New Testament itself. Starting with the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, he desires to recover original New Testament Christianity or the faith once delivered unto the saints. And I think that pretty well describes as an opening of what the Church of Christ is. With the Church you find in the Bible, Nothing added and nothing removed. You know, I once heard a, of a brother, in fact, it was the preacher I, that I studied with, and he had visited Spain. And when he was in Spain, he noticed a church called the Iglesia del Cristo, which is Spanish for Church of Christ. And he didn't know anything about them, but he was interested because the name when translated into English was the same thing. So we went in and he had a talk with the preacher there, and he said, how do you do your worship service? And they were exactly the same as how we were doing them here in America. And he said, were you founded by American missionaries or missionaries from England or Ireland? He said, no. He said, well, what happened? And he said, well, a group of people realized what we were practicing was not what was in the Bible. So what we did was we got the Bible, we read the Bible, and we implemented what the Bible said. So without any contact from missionaries from the United States or the UK or anywhere else, the Church of Christ spontaneously popped up in the middle of Spain, which is one of the most Roman Catholic countries on the face of the planet Earth. And it doesn't just happen there. 
So you see, there didn't need to be a big denominational organization with bishops and archbishops and cardinals and most holy reverend father apostles and all these kind of things hanging around the place. All they needed was a willing, open mind and heart to study God's word and to see what Jesus has to say, what Moses has to say, what the prophets and the apostles have to say, and to just put that before the opinions of men or the culture in which they find themselves. Now many will ask also, who is a convert? So who is a convert to the Church of Christ? Is it someone that's just come along from out of a denomination or a non-denomination or somewhere like that? When we hear the word of God and we become Christians through the obedience of, of, of the gospel, then we are converted to Christ. It doesn't matter if you were raised in the Church of Christ or not. You're not a Christian until you're baptized for the permission of your sins. So we are all converts. We all have that equality. We are all beggar sinners at the foot of the cross. You see, we are the pre-denominational church. The one made by Christ because God's word says it and it's backed up by what we read in Scripture. In fact, will you be turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 10, and we'll read on through to verse 15. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verses 10 to 15. Now I beseech you, brethren, and by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Caiaphas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you save uh, but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. The strong words indeed. Paul didn't want to see them breaking away and dividing. This was not what God wanted. You see, the splits and the man-made denominations, they began very early on with the rise of proud men that decided they were going to take over the church and get what they wanted. And they didn't care about what God wanted. So they conveniently ignored pieces of scripture and they jumped over it and they call them the Passover religions. They wanted power. And they got it. And that brought in what was called the Dark Ages. The Dark Ages were only dark because they were made dark. Now when the religious world began to come out of the Dark Ages and protests against the apostate churches grew so rapidly, men began to create religious sects upon every hand. And they were trying, they were being, they were well-meaning. They were trying to get back to the primitive faith. 
Indeed, many of the historical books and the creed books of these denominations state that their aim is to get back to the primitive faith as taught by Christ and his apostles. But sadly, they weren't able to get that far. Most of them got back to where the church was in the 6th century, or even the 3rd the, the century or the 2nd century. Men's traditions and national politics intervened in the creation of those churches. And yet the Church of Christ was still there. It was still there behind the scenes, quietly working under terrible persecution. So great and good men tried to remodel and reform the apostate church. This is called the Reformation. Then it didn't work. There were arguments and wars. And the final result was not the reformation of the churches there, but the division and subdivision of religious bodies and continued subdivisions ever since. That result was the denominational spirit and it has greatly hindered the preaching of the truth and the salvation of the lost. You see, it is wrong to have all these different churches arguing one with each other. They're not in the Bible. They're not the church of the Bible. But don't just take my word for it. See, one of the differences you will find in the Church of Christ is that we tell you, do not take my word for it. Take the word of the Bible. And you know, if I get something wrong because I'm just a man like you and I, I, I can get things wrong too, tell me so. Let us study together. And let us discover what the Bible has to say, what God has to say. And that means putting aside all of the preconceptions, all the things which you think you know about Christianity. See, the New Testament teaches that there is only one church. Just one. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Matthew 16 and verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what are we learning from this verse? My church. Not the church of Peter, not the church of Paul, the church of of Christ Jesus. It's right there in the scripture. And that's just the first verse. Please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. Okay. Which reads, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The church, not plural, not, not Peter's church and Paul's church. The church, and the church is Christ's church. He says, my church. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4. And this is very telling, isn't it? There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. Let's go into chapter f verse 5 and keep reading. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
We are baptized into Christ. You'd be surprised how many people are baptized into a faith community, into our common identity. When the Bible clearly says we're to be baptized into Christ. You see, the Lord didn't come to set up many different branches, many different churches. Churches that would fit whatever you choose to believe in or like. It's not a fast food religion. This was the faith of prophecy. This is the kingdom of Christ and it is a kingdom and he is referred to as a king. And that also is highly significant. See, at the time of Christ, during his ministry, his land was under the occupation of the Roman Empire, and they had an emperor. People think an emperor is higher than a king, but not so. An emperor is the ruler of many lands, many different kingdoms. A king is the ruler of just one kingdom. If you look at where I come from in the British Isles, you have the United Kingdom. Single, not the United Kingdoms, plural. And yet the United Kingdom is made up of Ireland, Scotland, England and Wales. A little bit off in Gibraltar and all these different places. And yet it's not kingdoms, it's kingdom singular. So therefore there is one kingdom, one church, and the church and the kingdom are one and the same thing, as we will indeed discover as scripture reveals to us. Now when the New Testament speaks of the church under a metaphor, Without single exception, it uses only such metaphors as will admit there being only one church. So the church is a body, and it is the body of Christ. Turn with me to Romans, chapter 12, and starting at verse 4. That's Romans, chapter 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Seems like the Bible is telling us something here, isn't it? This is the church that Christ built. It was to be one body, one kingdom, loyal to one king. Turn to Colossians 1 and verse 18. Colossians 1.18 And we're going to read something very powerful here. Something which the Bible says and something that is contradicted by many of the man-made denominations and non-denominations that there are out there. And he, and the he here is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, and in all things he might have the preeminence. That's one of the things that makes the Church of Christ unique. The head of the Church of Christ, of his church, is the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. He hasn't appointed anybody else to be the head of the Church, has he? You won't find it in the Scriptures. He's the one that has the preeminence. You know, the church is also a bride. The church is the bride of Christ. And here we have this image being formed to us from Scripture of the relationship between Christ's church and himself. 
He's the king. And the church are the called out. We are his bride. As his bride, the bride of the king is the queen. So how should his bride act? How should his bride relate to the king? In total obedience. So that we will be presentable by the king to show to his subjects. Look at my bride. Isn't she beautiful? Isn't she fit for purpose? Isn't she unified? Notice bride. Not brides. Not like David, as we've recently discovered, that was a catastrophe when he had more than one wife. And Solomon, when he had more than one wife, a great many of them, I'd also like to point out, I'm not too sure if Solomon was really all that wise. I mean, he'd more than one wife, but he'd more than one mother-in-law. So let's move swiftly on. Yes, the church is a bride. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. I will say some people are blessed with having wonderful mothers-in-law. That's 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2. Slipped away from you. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So we are to be holy. We are to be separate. We are to be an example to the people around us. You see, a good bride is not selfish but is loyal to her Lord. It's not about her. It's all about him. And that's another difference you'll find between the Church of Christ and denominations. Their churches are built to be all about them, whatever they wish, what they want, the politics that they're espousing, the power they're trying to control over people. But a good bride is not selfish. She is selfless. And she does everything to honor her Lord. This is what is required of the bride of Christ. Nothing less. See, the New Testament knows nothing of a multiplicity of different churches with different doctrines. They don't all teach the same thing. In fact, they teach very many wildly differing ideas. They've added things to the Bible. They've added things and removed things that didn't suit them. See, that's why the Church of Christ is different. Now, I grew up in a denomination, and I studied the Word of God from a young age. I read the Watchtower and the Wake. These are, just throw them away if you get them. And I read creed books, and I listened to preachers on TV, and I visited many different churches, but there was a problem. You see, what I was hearing was not what I was reading in the Bible. There's something wrong there. And I would test it and test it and test it. I was a skeptic. I had just about given up on finding a church that was really one of God's. Yes, Mark? What church did you grow up in? 
I grew up in the Anglican Communion. The what? Anglican Communion. It's, um, in Ireland, it was known as the Church of Christ. Its actual name in Irish is the Church of Christ, believe it or not. It was brought to Ireland in the 4th century um, by Patrick, who was not a Roman Catholic. I know people call him St. Patrick, but he's not a saint in the Roman Catholic Church. And he brought the Church of Christ to Ireland from Alexandria, before that from Jerusalem. And there are a great many doctrines in the church that I grew up in that are identical to what we teach in the Church of Christ. Unfortunately, there's also some doctrines where it's gone a bit off to the side. Yeah. Thank you, Mac. Mac said there's been a lot of outstanding preachers that came from Ireland in the 16 and 1700s. Indeed, uh, Alexander Campbell and... They were escaping uh, terrible persecution. At the time, um, those that weren't conforming to Catholicism were burnt at the stake. There were plenty of massacres going on and there was even lots of persecution coming. It depended on who was king, on what religion he was. <laughs> did your parents bring you into the church, or did someone else bring you into that particular denomination? Oh, the one? No, I just grew up in it. In up Ireland, up. yeah. yeah. That's what your parents were? My mother was a member of the Church of Christ, um, Anglican Church, and my father was a member of the Roman Catholic Church but they split up when I was very young, so I, I didn't have any influence from them. I knew what it was to be afraid of them, but I didn't grow up in <laughs> But I searched and searched to try and find the truth. And I met Christina, and my good wife sent me over something to read. And I read it, and I must admit I was skeptical. First of all, I was afraid she might have been a Mormon, because I knew that they weren't right. But I sat down, and I read it, and I tried to fault it, and I couldn't fault it, and that's why I'm here today. I couldn't fault the logic of God's Word. And I thank God that I found the Church of Christ, the church that's in the Bible. And if I didn't believe it was the church that's in the Bible, I wouldn't be here preaching or teaching tonight. It's as simple as that. And I hope that will give you some encouragement yourselves. <laughs> because I know what the others teach. Now the New Testament teaches that religious divisions are wrong. And I can tell you, if, if, if there's any country in the world that could win a gold medal at the Olympics for religious division, it's Ireland. Believe me, we, can, we know all about it. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 to 13. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Remember we went over this earlier. That we all speak the same thing. So therefore we study together, we learn together, we explore the scriptures and we grow together. There's a lot of love in the Bible. There's a lot of love in being Christians, in growing and learning together. When I was in college up at the Northwest Florida School of Biblical Studies, half 
of, our, of the reason for us being there, my, my teacher told me, was so that we would learn fellowship. We would have a round table and get together and study at the round table. And we studied for tests together. And we learned ways how to pass these tests, which were not easy, I can tell you. But we grew close. We grew bonds. And I've even been in contact with some of my friends from the, from the school today. It's important to learn and to continue to grow and to study for yourself. That's one of the core teachings of the Lord's Church, that we study for ourselves. We do not abdicate our minds to another. And this is something which you definitely find in denominations and non-denominations. The big man in there is the preacher or the elder or somebody in there, and you do what they say. You don't question them. One of the worst examples of that kind of thing is the, the People's Temple cult that was set up by Jim Jones. I know that's an extreme example, but that's the kind of thing which happened and still goes on today. Sometimes it doesn't lead to such a terrible end. But this is what happens when you abdicate your, your mind, you abdicate your own study. You end up being under the thumb of people who are getting between you and God. Now, Matt brought up Ireland. It's very interesting to me that in Ireland, there have been many attempts to get rid of denominationalism because they realized that they went back to men and not back to the Bible. And that's what they sought to achieve over in the United States. I was quite surprised when we did church history to discover how many of these men were Irish and probably spoke like me. There was one Englishman, but it's not his fault. We just don't, don't hold it against him too much. But it was funny when they were saying, well, what would, what would Alexander Campbell have? Would he have, would he have spoken like me? And no, he was, he was from Ballymena, and he's from Northern Ireland, and he'd have spoke like that, and he'd have been loud. <laughs> they always sound angry, but they do, <laughs> even when they're being friendly. But they started something good. And as I said, when people follow the word of God, the church of Christ will spring up somewhere. God knows what he's doing, and he knew what he was doing when he gave us the Bible. So if you'll turn over to John chapter 17 and verse 20, we'll see what the Lord thinks about religious divisions, about them being divided along national grounds, along political grounds or because someone's trying to get a divorce from their legitimately um, married wife and which is the, the case with what happened with Henry VIII but it, it did happen so it's John chapter 17 and verse 21 in fact let's start at verse 20 this is what Jesus says Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You see the importance of this oneness, the importance of this coming together, 
according to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, denominationalism breeds scepticism and it breeds doubt. People who are not religious look and they say, oh, well, you're all supposed to be Christians. You're all supposed to claim to worship the same Lord unless you're fighting each other. Just look at them in Ireland. They're murdering each other in the name of the God who tells them not to kill. And that's a true statement. But they're not doing it according to the will of God. You see, what they're doing is sinful. You see, any church that isn't based solely upon the rock-solid truth of God's Word is a man-made church. It's a denomination or a non-denomination. The only time when that word, denomination, is applicable to the Church of Christ is pre-denomination, before denominations, before the splits created by men. Now, I had studied for many years to try and find the true church. And you'd be surprised at how many churches out there will tell you they're the one true church. But they can't show it to you in the Bible. You'd be surprised how many people out there will say that their leader is the head of the church, don't you know? Well, that's not what the Bible says. In fact, the Lord's church can spring up just about anywhere. Why, it's even in Ireland. <laughs> As Christians, we must defend the truth and we must teach the truth and always teach the truth in love. See, when you sit down and someone's being intellectually honest with themselves, when their hearts are open and their minds are open to what the Bible is saying, and that they will surrender all preconceptions, you know, that this isn't about us winning an argument with anybody. It's just about seeing what the Scripture says. And it changes things. And when we realize that he died on the cross for each and every one of us, that he rose from the dead, that his love for us is conditional upon our obedience to him, then we realize things are, are quite different to what we've been taught in denominations. Yes, God loves the whole world. But if we truly love him, we will obey him. And then we become his own. And then we become part of his bride, singular. His church, his kingdom. The one true kingdom serving her one true Lord. It requires a humble heart, an open mind and an open heart. I hope this has helped answer some of the questions about why the church of Christ is different. Of course, if you have any questions, please go ahead, send them my way. I'll be only too happy to answer them with you and to study with you. And remember, it's not about my opinion. It's, it's about what God says. That's it. I thank you for your attention.